0: is your host Patrick R. McDonough with my co-host Brennan LaFaro. Hello. And today our guest is a newer guy on the scene, a new author with a trilogy out, third book's out today actually. Today is uh, May 8th, uh, 2020. Michael Clark. Hello. And uh, we're gonna cover... His first book in the trilogy, and uh, before we do that, it's going to we're going to try to stay spoiler-free as much as we can. And uh, before we do that, we're just going to get to know him a little bit, and uh, well, we'll have a good talk. What got you into
1: horror? Oh, man. I've been into Tahar for a long time, and I was just doing some show prep. I figured I might be on for, say, two hours, so I did ten hours of show prep. No, just kidding. Uh, I, I like horror movies, and um, I was going through some of the lists of uh, like what got me into it, and and then I realized that like let's say Jaws and Halloween and you know Dawn of the Dead, the original one and The Thing, uh, I saw them all in the theater. So I'm new to the scene, the writing scene, but I'm not new to anything else because I'm a I'm 54. And, uh, yeah, I was in the theater at like 12 years old for some of these things. And, um, man, you know, I wish I had it over to do, to, to, to do over again. Like, Jaws to see in the theater. Like, now we're watching it on small screen. The thing, uh, Dawn of the Dead, you know, with all that gore was just, it was awesome. And, um, I don't know, these, uh, today's horror movies are, uh, there's only been two that I've liked in the last 10 years or so, and I don't mean to disrespect any of the directors out there because I would love to have my uh, stories be a movie. But um, I think the only two that I've really loved were Sinister and Mama. In the oh, Sinister is great. Love Sinister. Um, and then Mama was done by uh, Andy – is it Muschietti? I, I, I'm not sure how you say his last name, but uh, both just great and original. And um, anyway, I've been into horror for longer than you've been alive. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just to expand on that a little bit, like I grew up on Stephen King. Um, I'm the kind of guy that will uh, see a book on a on a shelf and it says soon to be a major motion picture and um some of the movies that have sucked me into that are, was The Shining back in I think that was a 1980 movie so the the copy of The Shining that I I read was the yellow one with the movie poster you know it was a paperback um loved it then I got way into Stephen King from must have been you know 79 or 80 uh Through the Tommyknockers, and uh, then you know, then I had kids and all that stuff, and got away from everything for quite a while. So, um, some other movies that like I've I've seen that soon to be a major motion picture are um, Silence of the Lambs. Like I read that in a a day or two, you know, because I had to go see the movie, and I had to finish the book first. And then uh, Jurassic
0: Park was another one too. Silence of the Lambs is uh, part of one of my favorite trilogies. That's a good Me one. Me too. Me too. Me
1: too. Love it. Love it. It's, it's original, and um, I recently reread it. Um, and then he had like a – Thomas Harris had a, either a – I think it was a foreword or, or an afterword or whatever. But just how he wrote the, the, the book, like he really met a guy like Hannibal Lecter. He worked in a prison or something. And he's working side by side with some guy that, uh, you know, soft spoken and everything. And then they go, uh, you know, somebody says, you know who that that guy is? And and uh, he's like, no, he's like, well, oh, yeah, he uh, he chopped up uh, some people and put them in like a little box. And so that's how we got Hannibal Lecter from a real life example.
0: Yeah, um, he was a Thomas Harris was a journalist back in the 70s. And I believe it was in Mexico. He interviewed this uh, guy, this doctor in prison and he killed his boyfriend, which sparked that idea for Hannibal Lecter, like a very intelligent guy that you would never think would kill anyone. He is a killer. Um, He's an interesting one because I can't, you can't find anything on Thomas Harris. He has neglected to talk to any press. I'm pretty sure since his first book came out, uh, black sunday i think it was um Mm.
1: i never read that one but yeah
0: i haven't either i haven't read the latest one that came out either Um,
1: no i haven't either it got you know bad reviews i was excited for it and i'll tell you i gotta be sold to read something i i just don't have time you know like i I, like i I'm, i'm now i'm part of this twitter you know group of authors and bloggers and everything and Oh my God! I can't believe what you guys read. It's just crazy, you know. The, the amount. It's. I. I don't know how you find time.
0: I, I'm. I'm not in that equation. I read like one or two books a month. So, <laughs> um. But the. That's pretty inter- good. Yeah, I guess. Uh. Yeah, it's all about. I guess comparing yourself to. Well, that's probably not a good idea to compare yourself to other people because that's what I usually put myself down over. Um. But back to Thomas Harris real quick is uh his latest book he was under contract for two books that was the Han- uh, Hannibal Rising which I hate being the guy that like oh that fucking sucks the trilogy's the original's the best or whatever um I didn't like it didn't feel the same just felt kind of uh,
1: that was when he was younger right the, the yeah.
0: Younger. yeah 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 it, it covers how basically just you know, what he did it was was uh, had revenge for his sister, who he witnessed being eaten, uh, chopped up, killed, eaten, yeah. and um, I, I just didn't like it. Not the content. I just don't like this story. Um, That one, and I forget the latest one that came out last year. Um, Kari those, Mora, I think. Is the okay. Name.
1: That's the book, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So those two, he was contractually uh, uh, obligated to uh come up with so um there was actually talk about this recently about being contractually obligated to write something you can tell when uh, an artist is um doing it for the passion or he's doing it because or he or she's doing it because they are contractually obligated to he was and supposed
1: he was supposed to like you know contractually obligated to write that book kari mora
0: I don't know if it was that book exactly. Just know he had a two book deal for like a six figure contract, and um, mm. he. I don't know why he wrote Hannibal. Uh, I like it. It has mixed from my friends that I've talked to that have read it. Um, hands down, people that have read the trilogy, it's always like Red Dragon's amazing. The Sides of the Lambs is amazing. And then I hear mixed reviews on Hannibal. Some people detest it, and specifically, I think, because of the ending. I'm not going to spoil it, but I liked That's it.
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's a little graphic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just what happened with Cl- Clarice Starlin, how they handled that. But I I liked it. I was for it. Um, and the interesting thing about Thomas Harris, like I was saying, is you can't really find anything about him. Like, there's no interviews, no documentaries. I don't know if there's any biographies. Um, pretty strange way to <laughs> fall under that non-spotlight because he's created one of the most notorious fictional villains, like, ever.
1: Yeah. You know, either that, and I don't mean to take anything away from him because I think he's a, a really good writer. I mean, I was riveted, you know, like he – whatever story he was given, he put it into – the right words but i mean to be given a character like hannibal lecter by meeting you know that guy in the mexican prison or whatever there that was quiet and chopped up somebody and put him in a box is amazing and another thing on top of that like he was very clever i just learned it like last year was you know the um the James gum uh character that was uh you know he's loading the couch into the back of the van, and he's got a cast on his hand. He's like, you know, hey, can you give me a hand kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Stolen from Ted Bundy. Yep. Like, Ted Bundy did that. Like, it just... He, he just took it, and it was genius that he took it, and I envy that. Um, just opportunistic, and, I mean, people that are not sick don't think of those kind of things, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's I unreal
1: think, he, he paired a bunch of things together and 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 put it all into one storyline and man it's a great story
0: yeah, yeah. brendan you uh read those books i have i
2: was I was actually just thinking it's kind of interesting um the the way that you kind of ranked them, you know, Silence of the Lamb uh, Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon kind of the top 2 and Hannibal up there but maybe not quite as much and then Hannibal Rising as kind of an afterthought. It's almost like despite the fact that Hannibal is the focal point of that quadrilogy, it's kind of like the less the focus is on him, the better the overall story tends to be. On Hannibal? Yeah. I mean, you give him you give him the whole focus yeah. on Hannibal Rising, and I, it just it, it it didn't add much to the lore, honestly. It was nope. a, here's the it, first time he ate people. It's like, okay, cool, well,
0: good for him, yeah. good job, man. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, in uh in Silence of the Lambs, when um and this has been uh, stuff like this. I mean, ugh, I don't really care if I spoil this for anyone. Um, cause if you haven't seen the movie by now, maybe you probably won't. Oh, just spoil it. But the one part I'll talk about is when they, uh, the police go into the storage facility and they see the head and they eventually it's put together that like Hannibal Lecter killed, uh, these kids in, um, Princeton that he killed, uh, some guy's boyfriend, and that's his head in the jar. Like, th- uh, obviously, I'm probably never going to be in Thomas Harris's shoes, but for me, I would have loved to see uh, that Hannibal Lecter. Like, right before, maybe right before he met Will Graham, where he's just going on his killing spree, because oh, there's the,
1: a. Um, the Gary, um, I'm going to the movies now, but the. Um- Gary Oldman character, like he what? skinned his face and all. Oh that yeah,
0: stuff. yeah, yeah. I forgot that was Gary Oldman. Oh wow, how did I forget that? That's one of my favorite actors. That doesn't look like anything like Gary Oldman. Why? <laughs> <right. laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Not,
1: are you talking about him?
0: I'm talking about him and all the other. This like I think he were he he was supposedly um, responsible for nine murders. Um, uh, okay. I, I would have liked to have seen that story told, not oh. Hannibal Rising, but enough of that um so let's go back to your uh your trilogy uh your first book uh the patience of a dead man um before i ask my question i think brent has got a few and i don't want to step on his toes with these well actually let's just
2: kind of make that connection between uh your lifelong love of horror uh you know definitely hitting on books but uh seemingly focusing more on movies how do you get to the point where you're starting to plan this trilogy in your head? Have you always written or was this just something you wanted to try no,
1: out? No, I've ne- I have not. But I for years I would um I'm talking like 15 years, 20 years as I'm, you know, living my life, working my job. Uh you know the secret question that you have on all your websites if, in case you forget your password like, you know, what is your dream career that kind of thing mine was always writer and um, so if you want to steal my passwords there's a <laughs> clue right
2: there like, got it.
1: <laughs> so um but no I, and what what it what what it came to what what got me to writing was like i just got you know i, I said i'm 54 i see pet cemetery remade again and you know like all these lame changes like okay um it's not the same thing the, the the girl is the one that's the that comes back from the grave this time said of the boy you know it's like it's just a terrible unimaginative twist um i was so disappointed in that movie and i'm not saying that that movie was the one that got me to write but i'm starting to see things come around again you know like i know that like I'm a Batman fan too, you know, and and Batman was out in 89 as Michael Keaton and then it went away. And then, you know, Christian Bale, oh, luck, we're lucky to have another Batman, another chance of Batman. You know, they, they just regurgitate for the next generation and, and, you know, every generation is like whatever, 10 years apart. Um, And I, I was like, you know, we need something – different you know I'm sick of cliches I'm sick of like small little tweaks and just reintroduce the same thing we've we've seen before so you know I'm at my age that I am and and I'm like you know let's I'm going to try to write something that doesn't have cliches in it that that acts like a dream like when I dream let's say you're running away from somebody or you have to confront something in your dream what do you do? And the scene in The Patience of a Dead Man, there was one scene that started it all. And it was the one where it's a divorced guy, which I am a divorced guy, that buys a house in the country to basically flip it and um, try to get his money back. You know, he's, 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 he's on, on financial edge. And so he starts – his plan is to work 18-hour days living in the house while his co-worker runs the company, keeps him afloat. Hopefully, he can have a big payday when he resells. And his first night in the house, his first day working, he sees a ghost. So I was thinking like as as in a dream, what would you do? And – You'd probably run. So I'm not going to give anything away, but he runs, you know, he runs. He's like, there's just no way that, that this little boy is supposed to be staring at me right now while I'm I want to be sawing wood and, you know, replacing walls, uh, working long hour days. So he runs and he gets halfway down the road and he's like, you know, you get your courage back. Where am I going to go? Am I going to go to a bar and have a drink and come back? You know, where am I going to sleep? What am I going to do? So it's kind of a real world problem. And um, you know, what would you do? You're either going to lose everything. He's got daughters that live with his his uh, ex-wife that uh, you know lives to humiliate him. And um, you know, <laughs> he had to make a choice. So, um, of course he does go back and, um, he's got to deal with it. You know, he chooses the, uh, he's also at a point where he's like, I don't care if I die. Um, and you know, when I was getting divorced, I was at at that point too. I was like, okay, if, if I went on vacation, I'm like, I don't care if the plane, plane crashes, at least I'll be, I'll die on vacation. Um, you don't, you realize that, that there's, you know, life is fragile and, you know, you can live or die uh, in many situations and, um, you know, if you're in debt, <laughs> uh, what the hell? So he was desperate, basically. It's desperation. And he had to go back. So I started with that, like, a real situation. And to be honest with you, Um there's a twist at the end of the story. Um I didn't know that was gonna be part of the story when I started writing it. I had to figure it out. Um and I'll tell you what's good for that is uh I walk my dog every day in the woods like two, three miles and sometimes my wife goes and sometimes she she can't make it. And um on the days that she couldn't make it I could think and you know, instead of talking. And uh, I figured out the, you know, the the little problems in the story to get to the end of the story. And that first book took a while. It took a year and a half. Um, but once that universe was set up and some of the rules were set up and you know that kind of thing, um, it went a lot quicker. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: So, yeah, I try to think about, like, in a dream. Like, do you have dreams where you're like, you know, somebody's coming at you. You're going to be in a fight. You've got to challenge this person. What are you going to do, you know? Um, For me, usually, like, if it's a ghost or something, as soon as the ghost touches you, you know, it's not scary anymore. Um, Something's going to happen. You're either going to die or whatever. But for me, the ghosts in the distance... Out in the field, across the room, all that stuff, those are creepier. And I love that emotion. I love eerie, creepy. Um, my wife is not a fan of gore. She won't watch anything gory, like anything zombie. No, not a chance, you know. <laughs> but I can – she she will watch something like, say, The Sixth Sense, which I think is awesome. And nobody talks about that as a horror movie, but that is a horror movie. And I it's one of my favorites of that. that is the that is a great great my I, that's one of the scariest movies there is <laughs> when he's in you know the he's in the tent and the little girl's puking like that <laughs> uh, that moment rivals any moment in any movie for me love that
0: that is a good point though about um how if uh, you see a ghost as opposed, as opposed to it doing something yeah. to you um it is scarier yeah cuz it's like unknown you
1: know like you don't know what's going to happen cuz you know what's going to happen it kind of you know the fear goes away because you're either fighting it or whatever and i think a lot of horror movies um they blow it
2: the whole thing with the distance um is kind of scarier uh with ghosts in mind and uh there there were two parts in the first book that kind of scared the hell out of me and I feel like the the second one I'm thinking of uh it is hard to go into I don't know if it's a spoiler but I know if I were a new reader I'd definitely want to discover the part for myself but I'll just say uh weekend sleepover the first yeah. part I'm thinking of oh, um, yes. yeah yeah <laughs> the first part I'm thinking of is the footsteps uh when Tim is first starting to kind of experience stuff and he's just hearing the phantom footsteps. The way you put that in where there's nothing, there's no tangible threat uh, or anything like that. It's just, it it made the hair stand up on my arm. I thought that's a perfect example of kind of keeping that distance to kind of put the fear in place.
1: That's, that's what I'm going for. And I think, You know, I don't know, until I get tired of it. That's the best emotion in horror to me. I mean, like, you know, you could talk about splatterpunk and stuff, and it has its place, and um, I just don't know how more splatterpunk you can get than Halloween or, you know, something like that. I mean, like, it's fun and and stuff, and there's a lot of, like, funny things in horror and, you know, slapstick kind of stuff, and you know return of the living dead kind of thing and um but i'm looking for creepy i like i like eerie i i like you know if you're let's say you're walking into a room and and it's you know it's not lit or something and there's a ghost hanging in the corner and it's just not moving and you don't notice it at first that's the stuff i love you know i love creepy eerie stuff like that and it's um it's hard to write, I guess. I mean, I I don't, I don't, I can't compare it to much else because I don't, I haven't written very much, but, um, you have to keep the distance because if you confront the thing right away, then, you know, the fear goes away. So I try to keep it, you know, the people don't want to confront it. And, um, eventually you have to though. And, and, um, I don't That's a there's an open ended thought there I guess but um I like creepy and eerie.
0: Did you Did see you Paranormal see... Activity? I love it. it. You know what I love? I don't love the movie
1: like it's not perfect, but there is such simple. That you, you hit the nail on the head. That's a great example. Well, like, when,
0: when, it, when 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 it came, it came out, it. Uh, that creeped the hell out of me.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's that. You know, just stupid stuff like they hear something downstairs. They walk halfway down the stairs, and the 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 lamp in the kitchen is swinging. I mean, I was watching that with somebody that doesn't like horror movies, and they're like, "Oh no, I'm done. I'm out." You know, it, it's so <laughs> simple, <laughs> but it's so it's so true. I mean, what would you do? I mean, you'd be done. You know, I mean, it doesn't take much more than that. That's that's the creepiest thing you, that could ever happen.
0: I um, yeah. like how you uh, emphasize, like, what would you do? And in Tim's particular situation, I guess I would do the same thing. Because uh, what's he got to do, live on the street? He's got girls. You don't want to lose them.
1: Yeah, you know, I've, I think I've been criticized in a couple of, um, you know, uh, reviews and stuff. Like, I read one and I'm like, this person is young uh they're like you know why wouldn't they just leave you know that kind of thing it's like well because you have you know oh no another thing was they keep he keeps reiterating that the guy doesn't have any money but they go out to dinner every night you know so i'm thinking like 1971 dollars that you know you go out to eat it's going to be 25 dollars.
0: yeah
1: and you know he's got you know say 50 grand on the line it, it's a big difference you know and i don't think maybe maybe kids don't get that because they haven't bought a house yet or something like that you know but yeah and, and there's another thing too that when you get divorced um and by the way i, I should just say that you know just to clear the air for my ex-wife and my children that sheila is not my ex-wife um did I get some ideas from that? Yes, I did. You know, I mean, I I do have divorce experience, but I'd like to keep the peace and you know so on and so forth. But um, when you get divorced, there is a period when you just say, "I'll be the first one on the show to say it. Fuck it." You know, like you you just you don't care if you live or you die when you see the numbers. You know, like you you see like you know half your 401k go and. And you're 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 moving out of the house you bought, and you know you're not going to live with your kids anymore. You are like you're without. I mean, not not that you're without a care, but you're you're like you're just living on the edge. And uh, maybe some people miss that point, but um, it's not a good feeling. And and you know Tim was Tim in the story is like he's right there. You know he's He's got nothing to, he's got nothing to lose, except for his money. <laughs> he's already lost his family, you know, that kind of thing.
0: I can't
2: speak on uh, all those perspectives, but as a uh, mid-30s person with a mortgage, I can completely get behind the idea of, you know, oh, no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, well, you hope I, I, you learn. You know, yeah, nothing, I, I nothing against your wife or anybody's wife, but I mean, like, For me, like, you know, she was the one that made the decision. And, um, you know, it it takes one, right? I mean, I'm not going to blame her. I mean, she just had had enough. And um, to be put in a situation where you're gone and you don't want to (laughs) go, it sucks, you know? And that's where Tim was.
0: How did your kids – you have what? Two girls, two boys. No, I got a boy and a girl. Okay. Yeah. How, how old were they when that happened? Six and four. How did they react to it?
1: Um. Well, they were too young to know. Um. But uh, there was one terrible day. You know, the day I left. My <laughs> my daughter was like, I'm like, how the hell do you know what's going on? And I was going to leave, like, walk out the door for the last time. And she's holding the door, the screen door, crying, like, you know, like, don't go. And I'm like, do you really understand what's happening? You know, and I don't know if she did or not, but, oh, my God. You know, it was just like my mother said, my my parents got divorced, too. And they got divorced while we lived in that house, uh, that's in the book, <laughs> um, she said that it, divorce is the toughest thing she ever went through, and I totally agree. I mean, I mean, God forbid any of us comes, comes down with cancer or something like that, but divorce is tough.
0: Divorce I, is- I, God, I, I my boy's <laughs> only almost six months old, and I can't, I know Brennan would feel the same way. Like, I, I don't know how my legs would be able to move. For the last time to not live with my kid, that would suck. Yeah, I imagine
1: if it's not your choice, too, you know. And again, not to blame her, but it just happens. It happens every day,
0: you know. I understand that, but I'm, <laughs> God, how, how don't you cry?
1: You do. <laughs> you cry a lot, you know, you cry for different reasons, too. Um, and that's what I wanted to put into Tim. I wanted to put in that desperation. And then I see some people, not many, but some missing that point that, um, you know, he he had nothing to lose after that um, except for his, I guess, his money. You know, and, and it's either that, like you walk away from that house that you bought to, to and then you're just going to be humiliated by the person that – Hates you now, you know, Mm -hmm. and his ex-wife, Tim's ex-wife, lived to see him, um, you know, uh, she wanted to win the situation. She wanted to be, uh, see what a loser I married, you know, that kind of thing, you know, like, oh, he can't even, he's afraid of ghosts, you know, can you imagine being in that, you know, like, he, he he had to go back. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: I uh, I don't get that scenario um, where you're trying to basically, I guess, show off to your new partner by saying, look at what a fucking idiot this person is, because you're the one that voluntarily stayed with them. It's uh it reminds me of a similar <laughs> divorce isn't the same thing as hiring a graphic designer. But the point is the same where just yesterday I saw. Some uh, author talking about how this uh, graphic designer was gonna upcharge him to. I saw that. Yeah, from two for you know, people that aren't familiar, uh, a guy that I don't even remember his name, so I wasn't even gonna name him. But uh, it was basically a couple hundred bucks for graphic uh, for a cover for a book. And, he was
1: bitching <laughs> about paying two fifty for a book cover, right?
0: Yeah, because
1: uh, used to get them for a hundred bucks.
0: I got them for two hundred. Bitched about getting them for 250. But my whole point to bring this up is that he said that after he just bitched about it, and then the the people within the horror community like you're a fucking asshole, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was basically saying that he's a terrible cover artist. So I don't understand that line of logic. Uh, People seem to not be able to. I guess it's a pride thing, suck their pride up and be like, you know what? This is a lesson that I got to learn. I'll just move on from it. And that's basically called being uh, an it's adult.
1: Betrayal. It's betrayal. If you've never been betrayed, um, then you don't understand. It's just something in a TV show until it happens to you.
0: Yeah, betrayal is a tough one. Uh, definitely can feel it in Tim.
1: Yeah, he got betrayed. Um, and then he had to basically like deal with the ghost because of that, you know, I mean, what's he going to do? Like, you know, oh, I can't take the kids, uh, you know, because, um, you know, I don't live in my house anymore. I, 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 left my house cause it's haunted or he also couldn't tell Sheila, um, Hey, the girls came over and, uh, you know, they're in danger. <laughs> You know, so he had to keep that quiet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you said it took you a year and a half to write the book. Is that from your first – however many drafts you did to you when know, you I actually I understand promoted? the
1: draft thing. Like I, I'm probably not traditional or conventional, I mean, uh, with writing because, you know, I started so late and uh, I didn't want to – I didn't want to be rejected, you know, all this stuff, so I started reading about self publishing and um I didn't have time to go through all that stuff. Um what was the I got off track there a second uh, for a second. Um what were you saying? Uh repeat. You said, that
0: a, you said it took you a year and a half uh to finish the book. I was curious if that is from the time you wrote down the first word to oh, when okay, you. Got
1: a- yeah, that's where I got lost. Um, yeah, about a year and a half from the first word, and I did it, like, scene by scene. Um, started with that one where he sees the little boy when he's working his first long day, um, and he's, like, put in a dilemma, you know, like, okay, I I, I either got to go back or I'm going to, you know, lose my property, um, And then it just kind of built from there. What would happen next? Okay, you know, logically, what would happen? You know, so then I I built it scene by scene, all the way through the book, and that's why it took so long. And I didn't even know where it was going to go. And I forget a lot of the the, (laughs) my thought process because I would think about it day and night for that year and a half. Like there were like originally there was not going to be um a holly in it i like i would like you and i have talked about um half-life the video game i used to love half-life yeah and and the reason i loved half-life was because it's just one guy alone and he's got to kind of like battle his way up to the surface of the earth you know he's down underground and i just thought that that solitude is so creepy like um I love the premise for um Caitlin Starling's Luminous Dead, you know, it's the same kind of thing and she's alone, you know? She's alone under the ground. What are you gonna do? Um and then I start writing it and I'm like at the time I was thinking like, I need I want some words here. And um as an inexperienced author, what I did was I (laughs) I bought Pet Cemetery the book again and um i picked it for its size it's like 500 pages or something and i'm like okay uh, i read it and i'm like okay i want to break down like how much of this was necessary and how much of it is boring and there are some boring chapters in there uh in my opinion and i broke it down and uh <laughs> i was aiming for a, you know a page count uh in the book you know like or a word count kind of thing like I want somebody to buy a book, and it's gonna feel heavy in their hand, and and um, be worth their money, and all that stuff. Uh, so I did stretch, you know, some scenes and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and remind me to come back to that a little bit because I did recently do an edit um, after uh, the Nightworms did a book party, um, like okay. about about that a little bit too. Right. Yeah, I did stretch it, um, you know, just trying to like match Stephen King, I guess, in, in one of my favorite stories of his. Now, uh, there was also this argument, not an argument, but a discussion on, um, I was on Twitter one day and it was John Lynch of the Nightworms who wrote um, something like, oh God, I can't When I see a book more than 350 pages, I just, you know, I don't – I'm going to paraphrase, but like I don't want to read it or something like that. Uh, And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm trying to stretch this bitch, you know, into 500 pages. Uh, And, you know, you read any Stephen King book, he'll go off on tangents left and right, you know, and and everybody loves Stephen King. They still do. They love that new book, you know, like – He's still a god, you know. Like it's it's ridiculous, and but but yet, um, and and he's not. John wasn't the only one. Like I saw, um, Sadie and and um, I think it was Finding Montauk. Uh, her the other nightworms. I, I is it uh, Alex? I, I Ashley. That's Finding Montauk. Ashley. I don't know I what they're using. I think it's Alec. I think it's Alec. But anyway, they were having a discussion like, oh, you know, something about work you know, page count, and so I posted something like, really, you know, is this word really, you know, and it's. I looked at the the Twitter analytics, and that's like my most popular tweet ever, kind of thing, Ooh. and like even Ramsey Campbell like rang in on it, Chad Lutzky, you know, like everybody's ringing, you know, like, no, the book should be as long as it should be. And, you know, the, it, it almost sounded like I pitted the bloggers versus the authors for a second. and I was, I was like, oh shit, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> digging, a, I'm digging a hole, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it seems, you know, like in today's world um, with iPhones and smartphones and whatever, and younger people and youtube and whatever like they and to be red stacks um they want shorter books and i think that was the bottom line you know like it almost seems like only stephen king can get away with that
0: uh real quick to comment on that i'm looking okay so i've gotten to the point where i got two tbr piles it's fucking ridiculous but uh I'm seeing one thick book, uh, two, two three, three thick books. Uh, your second book, we'll talk about that the next time you're on, uh, Dead Woman Scorned.
1: No, let's talk about it right now. I'm going to tell you right now.
0: I'm going to spoil the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah. no, the second I will one, tell you,
1: though, that that book, well, not anymore, but it was shorter than um, the first
0: book. All right. It's just it has anymore. 193
1: chapters. There's a lot of empty, like you know, three quarter page blank because there's so many chapters. All right. So it has 104,000 words. The original *Patience of the Dead Man* that you read, book one, yeah, yeah. was 108. Um, after the Nightworms book party, and uh, I want to touch on that too. Um, I edited it again, like recently, like the, within the last two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And because, it, you know, I, like I said, I was trying to stretch it into Pet Cemetery 500 pages, you know, at when I first wrote it. Uh, it. I've only been an author for like a year and a month. I press publish on April 15th, 2019 for the first time. And today's May 8th, 2020. And I hit book three. Um, Very good day, by the way. Just just felt so cool. I I mailed out. You guys are getting some mail soon. It's in the mail. Um, Yep. Uh, But after the book party, I I was like, uh, okay. I, I had wanted to go back and read it again. And so that was like... You know, there's no time because I wrote two more books, plus the marketing, all that stuff. Because I'm self-published, whatever. I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, I lost a, I lost a few stars in there. You know, um, and not that they hated the book. I'm very grateful. Sadie, don't get me wrong, if you're listening to this, but very grateful for you reading it. Um, I went back and started to read it again. I was like, I couldn't believe that I had written it. Like, and I can't believe. Um I'm very grateful for the fours and fives that I got because I read it again and I was like my opinion was, Wow, what a difference a year makes. Um I was so like I went through it four times the first time I wrote it and I was ready to hit press publish, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yep. And now I read it again and, and I I cut eleven thousand words out of it. So now it's ninety seven. But anyway, you're, the one that you read, 108, uh, is longer than Dead Woman's Scorn. It's just a much thicker book, and cost me like a buck fifty more to publish that son of a gun.
2: <laughs>
1: but um, the new one is uh, shorter than both of them. Anyway, rambling.
2: That is Go,
1: interesting. By the by uh, the, the, the spine thickness. It's a shorter book than what you read. And Brennan, you already read it. Yes. yes. Yep, yeah. Yep. Appreciate that too. And uh, both of your reviews appreciate those. And, uh, and especially um, the first one, I think you said something like, um, this is a, I'm going to try to paraphrase. I don't have it right in front of me, but something like this is a, a package or something like um like a um I, pu- I put the cover together with the story, like a a whole deal. Uh cut this part <laughs> <laughs> <All right, hold
0: laughs>
2: out Patrick. I I'll I'll take that over for you. So um, like I've got them sitting right in front of me here and they're just, they're a quality product. Like I've got, um, I got the two, I got Patience of a Dead Man and Dead Woman Scorned right next to me. And I have, uh, another book by a press I won't name cause I'm about to slander their copy. Um, that's like, I pick it up and it's, it's flimsy. You can probably hear that. It's, you know, I, I can yes. use it as a fan. Um, <laughs> but this, <laughs> this thing is thick. The binding, like that, that binding's not going anywhere. Um, this leads me into another question I have for you, but you've even got like the, you, you made your own little logo as far as self-publishing goes, um, which is, is just such a cool little touch. It's not just, uh, this is a guy who, typed for a little while and hit the publish button and you know and now his his unformatted ebook is out there for the masses this is time and care went into this and
0: that, gosh, yeah. you're getting I, to I, I what i
1: was know. trying to say Mm-hmm. go ahead no no go ahead
2: well, what I was going to say is, I I think that uh, we have done something like I don't know eight episodes of this, and I think the idea of judging a book by its cover has probably come up on eight of those eight episodes. Um, yeah, sure. And and you know you can certainly apply that statement to uh, you know everyday life and people, but you can't apply it to books. Um, you you're certainly going to judge it and. This is, you know, this is something that I look at, and I, it's gonna inspire me to pick it up. It's creepy, it's well done, it's professionally done, and if I am not kind of coming from a place of knowledge, I'm not gonna think this is a guy who, you know, works a day job and just put it together in his spare time.
1: I appreciate that. That's that's what I was trying to like encapsulate what you said. And again, you probably you have the, I don't, know, you have the books in front of you, not your reviews, but. Uh, you, you put it into one sentence, and it was very well said, and I was going to dig it out, and I didn't. But you just said it again, and yes. Um, I, I think I lucked out with the, the binding and the, the weight and all that stuff because that's all Amazon. Amazon did all that. Um, but the cover was something that – when I'm writing, um, I'm working on three things at the same time. One is the story. One Uh, the uh, the second one is the cover and then the third one is the title and the original cover of the Patience of a dead man was going to be the two headstones at the end of the the row in the grove Mm
0: -hmm. and i
1: i tried like i don't know five six photoshop versions you know homemade things where i I spent hours trying to make something look cool, you know. And I, I came close a couple of times. um, But it was so difficult that I just – I'm like on one of those walks in the woods uh, walking my dog, I had the, the vision of um, flies on the woman's neck. So I'm like, okay, that's a little bit easier. And I don't know if you guys have seen the original version of the cover. It's got red – um. There's some red um, font and everything on the cover. Um, I did have an original cover that's not the one that you probably have in your hand. Um, and you might see it on Goodreads or something. Um, so I did have – I did put that out and it was not, you know, as professional looking. But the one that you're holding, the newest one, the the current one, that's my wife on the cover. And um, – she was my photo model, but then I found a guy online. Um, it's goonwright.com. I'll give him a little plug. He's really good, and he did my logo too. Um, for not a long, you know, a, a lot of money, um, he'll put. He, he's got an eye, and my logo cost me a hundred bucks. The the axe, the the hatchet, you know, um, and. He also did, like, the font and the aged look on the covers, and he put the flies. I told him I wanted flies, but he put the flies on on her picture and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I think it looks really good the way he did it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely cared about the cover and the title. The original title was Two Stones in the Grove, and I didn't like it. Like get two stones in the grove. I didn't like those two... It's not easy to say. It's got those two long O's in it, um, but that was the working title, I guess. And um, it took me forever to um, come to the patience of a dead man. I just—I don't know if I heard it one day or whatever. Like, have you ever heard that saying, "The patience of a dead man"?
2: I don't think oh. so.
1: No. It is uh... a saying, and you can—you know—it means like you know you have the utmost in patience. Um, so I've definitely heard it before and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use that. (laughs) And after I've like decided I'm going to use it, I'm like, I'm going to Google that. And I Google it and I, I'm having trouble finding anybody that's ever said it, but I've definitely heard it. And I found it in like a Yelp review or something, you know, if you go to this you know, I, doctor, you better have the patience of a dead man to wait in line, blah, blah, blah. And so it's it's definitely been said. But now when you Google the patience of a dead man, it's it's all me.
0: <laughs> I got so, a question about that title. What's that? That title. Yeah. Is that, is that a, a, in reference to Thomas? And I'm not going to go further with that question. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Yeah. That, makes, that perfect makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, no, I mean like, I loved I loved what you did with him, by the way. Just everything I can't did, wait Bob. till you
1: read I can't wait till you read like the whole thing. Like it's it's a whole thing. Like um
0: Like three and, books long?
1: Well, yeah, but like <laughs> <laughs> you've already read one. Uh you read the longest one. Um The second one goes into um Mildred's origin. And then it goes back to Tim and Holly. So, and again, my thinking when I started to write it was, I need to fill up some pages, you know? So I, 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 I should probably go back and read that again. Uh, <laughs> I might need to trim some stuff out of that too. But it, it gets higher um, uh, reviews, including Brennan's, uh, than the first one, like, it has a higher. Doesn't have as many reviews, but it gets a higher ranking, uh, higher star review than the first one. Um, three,
0: three guys guy. that I uh, and I really don't want to talk about book two too much more. Um, but three reviewers that I I always trust is uh, Brennan, uh, Steve Gomsey, and uh, <laughs> George. I don't know his last name. Uh, he goes by uh, Ranson. Okay. Yeah, he goes by Book Monster. Yes. the recommendations are always spot on and all three of them had uh pretty much the nicest thing you could say about Book 2.
1: Well, Book Monster liked the first one better. And I do too. Um I don't blame him for that, you know. Um but I don't know. Just look at uh I think um if you go on Amazon, uh the first one has a 4.7. Uh it's a little bit lower on Goodreads. I did like a bunch of Goodreads giveaways and um, maybe some people that don't even read horror like one i don't know but anyway uh there's a like a lot more serious readers on goodreads too so uh 4.3 i think for the first book and the second book i don't remember what it is on goodreads but it's 4.9 on on amazon but it's only like 35 reviews or something um but uh Anyway, I I think that I got better as a writer um, over the course of the year, and I'm hoping, and I haven't had time to go back to the book, the second book. That, uh, but um, anyway, I hope I hope that it, uh, I'll take Brennan's word for it that it's it's better than the first one.
2: And I love well, what well. it did. I, I I thought that going in there, I said, okay, it's going to be round two, and. You know, I you you know that you know Mildred is kind of the main antagonist, um, and she's got to be fleshed out, and it really just kind of goes a long way towards that. Um, I'm not gonna go too much deeper into that because I was told not to. Uh, I'll, I'll get fired. Um. <laughs> He's a bastard. <laughs> I know. I, I got so excited to talk about book two that I forgot I wasn't supposed to talk about. two. Yeah. That's, that's going to be on episode two. Um. <laughs>
1: actually, I'm I'm, 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 I'm I am uh, back. I love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're you're officially invited back at some later date to be um, there.
0: We, there we go. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm available. Okay. Good. <laughs> you're not busy that day. That's good to know. <laughs>
1: I'll be waiting by my Skype microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I, I want to cycle back though. You mentioned earlier that you you, you kind of just glossed over the whole um traditional publishing route and in favor of going um in in favor of going self published. How much um research I guess did you did you put into going that route? Before you decided to self-publish?
1: Nothing. I just knew I didn't want to hear no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I started like, um, how did I hear about it? I don't know. Have you heard about Mark Dawson? Do you know about him? He's like, he's an indie author. He he writes like spy novels. And he also, the second half of his business is... um, selling um, how to promote yourself to indie authors. He's got like a, uh, two businesses. One is writing and the other one is is uh, teaching indie writers how to get out there and write your own books and and uh, be successful because he, he's successful. And then there's another one called um, Your First 10,000 Readers. Um, I actually bought into that program. Like paid, I don't know, fifty nine bucks a month for a year to learn how to do stuff. And you know, they learn how to. uh, They teach you how to um, build a landing page on your website and do giveaways and build your email list and that kind of thing. And that's all good stuff. Um, I never wanted to do. I never even thought about the traditional publishing thing i hear all these stories about how um oh you know i i need to do a big edit or a big rewrite and um at the time i wasn't open to that um but (laughs) after a year of self-publishing i'm freaking tired and i i would consider talking to a good small press and um, just seeing what happens, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm sure that there's pluses and minuses and at the very least it would be, um, you know, a good experience, I would think, or a learning experience at the very least. And, um, you know, when I first started on Twitter, um, which was like December – uh, it took me like from April to December to get to Twitter, to, to start in on it. And God, I was invisible. You know, like it was, you know, who the hell are you kind of thing? You know, like, you know, you, you ask somebody, Hey, would you like to read my book? I'll be honest, I, I, I DM'd Keelan Patrick Burke and, you know, never heard back and I don't blame him, you know, <laughs> because there is, there are articles on BookBub uh, do you know who BookBub is? no yep,
0: yep.
1: okay well, BookBub <laughs> is like a. <laughs> it's like a discount it's a very successful business but it's like they they want to sell cheap books to their people and um, there's also a group on Facebook called 20 books to 50k that I was reading into too Then they tell you oh if you get a BookBub if you get a featured deal on BookBub that's the best thing for your your career and whatever that kind of thing and getting off the track again but anyway the, this book bub had an article go ahead and ask authors to you know read your book and get their uh, blessing you know and get their rating and put it on the back of your book and you know now that I'm on Twitter I I know that that ain't how you do it.
0: I got a, I question, a question before you move on. Yeah. It, do they <laughs> Is it that vague, or does it say like build a relationship with a? No, specific?
1: I'll I'll try to find this article. I even <laughs> probably printed it. It's basically written by somebody that's like, what the hell? Take a chance, you know? What do you <laughs> got to lose? Oh, you know? No. Every. <laughs> so yeah. Well, and then, I like. You know, I think like,
0: I think this is important. This is an important point that we should say to anyone that's new in the writing industry that. Every single reviewer, every single author, editor. I'm gonna. I rarely use blanket statements, but I'll use it with this. Um, no one is ever gonna read or acknowledge you if you just start asking them to read your shit. They're gonna probably block you. So don't do that. <laughs> Carry on, yeah. sir.
1: Yeah. Um. I just did a. I, I'm not gonna find it now because we're talking. I That's fine. But, yeah, it was definitely, you know, and in fact, I think it was, um, you know, I saw a couple people get torched, kind of like the guy that was, uh, ripping on the, uh, the cover, the, you know, the, oh, my God, I got to pay two fifty for a cover, that guy, <laughs> what a you dick. know, she, oh, yeah, <laughs> I saw, like, I think it's Lillian from Sci-Fi and Scary, uh-huh. you know, she, <laughs> she will post stuff that people say to her, and, um. I saw a couple people get just torched because they were like, "Why the hell won't you read my book?" you know, and she's like, "Okay, buddy," you know. Well. She me up. Yeah, yeah, she's no nonsense, for sure. Yeah. And um anyway, I had to learn the hard way and I learned <laughs> quick um no uh, no uh, hard feelings between me and uh KPB or anything like that, but um
0: I I've
1: never Met him or talked to him. I've maybe maybe we've had a couple of you know um, short conversations on Twitter or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was my attempt, uh, my my freshman attempt at uh, and with bad advice, you know. And it's out there. It's it's, it's out there. And it's BookBob, which is a good site. So uh, shame on them. But what are we talking about?
2: So uh, if. Now that you have kind of bounced around the Twitter community and you don't have to name them, but I'm wondering, are you keeping kind of a mental list of publishers that seem like they would be a good fit for you? I don't have
1: a list. I did reach out to one, um, and I would definitely like, you know, see that one through before I talk to anybody else. And, uh, you know, um... I don't know if they would want me and that kind of thing, and and uh, but I'm willing to. I'll, I'll, I'm going to check it out. Going to check it out, and we're going to
2: see what happens. Yeah, and you know, if it
1: doesn't work out, what the hell? I'll just self-publish. You know,
2: I've already done that. It's good to take that approach, though, because I mean, there's. It's so easy to forget. You know, you you kind of put yourself in the shoes i guess i'll speak for me you put yourself in the shoes of of the lowly author who would be blessed to get anything that they wrote published and you know uh for whatever rate for whatever um uh whatever goes in that contract but you know you really it really should be when you're looking into publishers not who will publish my my book who will take my story but who, who am I going to work best with? Who's going to be a good fit for me? That,
1: and and that I don't know, but I, you know, this whole, that, that premise that you just gave, like, oh, I would be blessed if somebody published me. I think that's kind of dangerous because, um, you could self publish and you could, I believe that there's an audience for everybody. Like, um, I'll just give you an example. Like, I don't really like the family guy, that that cartoon, Um, and I know a lot of people do. But I really think that that guy, um, Seth MacFarlane, he just beat the pavement and he put out a lot of product and he found his audience and made it big, Uh, just on my cup of tea. Another thing, I heard Kevin Hart on Howard Stern. And I was just amazed that, uh, like, I don't think he's particularly funny either. Uh, I, I, I do like him, but he's, you know, I don't think he's as funny as, you know, uh, Richard Pryor or a bunch of other people. Uh, but, man, that guy, he built an email list. If he was going to go to, you know, um, perform in a town, he'd email everybody. He did a lot of things behind the scenes, and he... Built his audience, he found his audience, and I think that's what everybody, all the authors have to do. You've got to find that audience. Um, I do believe that everybody has an audience. Some some are bigger than others, but if you're just gonna, if you're gonna be Thomas Harris and sit back and and uh, like he's an anomaly, you know, and and everybody wants to be that one that like oh. You know, I made it big, but I'm, I'm the reluctant artist and, you know, I don't want to, I'm just going to hide away and, you know, Kurt Cobain or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Like, oh, I hate my fame, that kind of thing. You know, fame found me. I didn't find fame. (laughs) I I just, I I mean, I want to find fame. I I want, actually, I don't want really fame. I just want to be like, I want to make some money. I want I would like to see my my um, my books as movies, but I don't want to be, like, recognized in a restaurant either, you know, that kind of thing. And I do appreciate attention on something like Twitter or um, I love a good review and that kind of thing. Of course, you know, that that, that is addicting, but do I want to be, you know, um, Tom Cruise? No, you know, that kind of thing. I don't want to be… I'm not going for that, you know. I'm just, I just, I just, like, I appreciate that people like what I do. Um, I'm not making money yet, you know, after, you know, two books and here comes the third. Um, things are changing though. Like I spent, I spent all last night and today, all day today, packing books. And I had to like think about, a year ago today, what, what the hell was I doing? And I was not packing books. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I was doing. You know, I was uh, floundering. You know, I didn't know what the, the hell to do to, to be able to build my career. I was learning and failing and whatever. Um, but today, I packed a bunch of books. A lot of them were free, you know, "quote unquote" promotional, like you guys are getting some books in the mail. Um, but I have customers. I have a website now. I have a store. Um, I don't charge a lot for, um, you know, an autograph book. I just charge what Amazon charges plus the shipping because I'm looking for people that, um, you know, want to follow me and build a relationship and talk to me and that kind of thing. Um, another thing too, about like Twitter and say, versus Facebook, and I'm jumping around here. Just stop me if you want to. Uh, you go on Twitter, and you, you've seen the Twitter meltdowns and everything? People just can't take every, it. Every it, day. It. Yeah, I was part yeah. of them today. <laughs> was there one today? I, I, I didn't have time. I was packing friggin' books. <laughs>
0: Don't worry, Mike. There'll be another one tomorrow.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Brenny will
0: start that one.
1: <laughs> everybody goes to Twitter to get attention. You know, they want, you know, hey, I I launched a book today or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And if they don't get the attention they want, and I've felt this myself, um, you feel rejected. And you can have a bad day and I think it leads to the meltdowns. However, if you build, and I know people are like, oh, I hate Facebook, I hate Facebook. If you build if you have a Facebook page for your author life, um and you advertise on Facebook, and I'll tell you that I think you you might have seen that Sadie printed an article uh, Mother Horror uh mm-hmm. that I wrote about advertising on Facebook. Like it's so it's so targeted, it's just amazing. Like you can target uh five, you know, all the English speaking countries in the world, um And then you can filter it by, they like horror fiction. So we're not even talking horror movies. We're talking horror fiction. You know, like they like to read horror books. And there's 18 million of them according to Facebook. So when I advertise on Facebook, I'm targeting 18 million people. And I mailed books today. I mailed a book to Malaysia today. You know, and and that's freaking cool. Uh, Canada, UK. Australia news I I mailed a book to New Zealand today um, customers which ones which customers no.
0: <laughs> yeah what's their address no uh which <laughs> books <laughs>
1: um uh, which book
0: the books new one books.
1: i mean like i have like the, the i put out a like a, a limited edition of the of um anger is an Acid. um just to uh, you know, make it like rare and, uh, you know, help me reach profitability kind of thing. Um, it's still not super expensive. It is for somebody that's living in New Zealand, though, because shipping is $24. Uh, not, not my profit. It's, that's what the post office charges.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, anyway, you know, it's cool to target these people on Facebook. And then you have your Facebook page. And again, I'm going to go back. I'm stepping back here. Twitter versus Facebook. The Twitter is, is, you know, the, the horror community is bloggers, people that have stacks of books to read, people that get a new book every day in the mail. And then you go to Facebook and it's people that are not bloggers that, um, you know, can't wait till your next book is out. And I would recommend to authors to follow both. You know, like you've, you you need the bloggers and um, you also need your own fans. So you need to build that base and to have that balance. I mean, if you're just all in, about Twitter and you're not getting your attention, it's because you're in a very competitive field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other areas, uh, any other social media outlets that – you've considered are there any new ones that you uh, have heard about that aren't sure of yet that you want to pursue no
1: um i mean instagram is owned by facebook and when you run an ad on facebook it goes on instagram if you set it up that way um and that's important too because of bookstagram and all that stuff um but uh man i'll tell you like I'll run a, a, a book giveaway. I'll give away one paperback book. And I don't care if I have to ship it to Australia, which I have. Um, you know, if you get 500 people that give you their email address to try to win that book, or like the best one I ever did was like, I think it was before Christmas, before COVID-19, uh, I almost got a thousand, uh, New emails, like followers. And, uh, you know, some of those are giveaway people. Um, but they're all targeted at, like I said, horror fiction. So, um, like I've sent a few emails. I sent one today. Hey, today's launch day, whatever. Let me just look here. I have, I have the screen up right here. All right. I sent it to, I'm going to refresh the screen. Well, first of all, it says 14% opens, 2% clicks. I sent it to 5,186 recipients. And I'm just gonna re- I'll refresh this page. Now it's 15% opens, 2% clicks. Unsubscribes, 0.46%. Um, you know, so some people are going to – those are probably the, the freebie people that, you know, just wanted to try to win a free book and whatever. But – I have built five thousand one hundred eighty-six followers through doing giveaways since I don't know, say six months of giveaways. Six months. That's
0: that's that's pretty uh, impressive, I would think. And you obviously you gotta calculate in there the uh, percentage of people that probably gonna unsubscribe, but that's still a really great number. And I've noticed you you're you're focused heavily on numbers or would you by any chance, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not knocking it. That's obviously something that you have to be good at. You have to be business savvy. If you do want to end up making some money off of whatever you pursue, but, uh, do you have a background in in accounting or anything like that? No. And,
1: you know, before like, you know, like Sadie approached me to write this article because, you know, I packed my books, um, with extra bookmarks and little fake flies and you know it was professionally done kind of like brennan was saying with the the book it's like it's a nice package kind of thing and Mm -hmm. however he said it um i do want to like i love like going to the apple store and you buy an (laughs) ipad or an iphone and it's like a beautiful bag it's got a rope through the plastic and you know you don't want to even throw it away kind of thing i think that that's like the unboxing of something is is important Um, but I haven't made money in writing. So before somebody says I'm a marketing or a business, you know, I'm the business guy, I gave away a lot of big mugs, you know, that kind of crap. Uh, (laughs) what that mug bought me was a lot of attention, you know, uh, but I haven't profited. So. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you'd call me. I'm not a business guy. And I mean, I have to look at the numbers. Um, I guess you'd say I'm willing to lose, uh, $200 a month to try to get followers in the hope that in a year or two, when I release book five, that, you know, the tide will turn. You know, like I will have a name brand at some point. Um, Will it happen? I don't know.
0: Wait, but, is, that, uh, is that a real uh, thing? Book what? five.
1: Well, I hope I write five books. I've already written three.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I meant in this series.
1: No, 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 no. Book three is the end of that series. <laughs> oh, okay. But I'm just talking about my fifth book.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: Misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, Mildred is uh, Mildred is uh, where she uh. I, want, I don't want to spoil anything.
2: Yeah, please yeah. don't. I <laughs> even <Don't. laughs> you know, read the second one, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, hurry up. I'm just, Mike, yeah. I'm going to take you off on a tangent and I'm going to put you on, a, on the spot. You uh mentioned that you uh or said something along the lines of uh, you wouldn't say no to, you know, eventually seeing your stuff turn into a movie. Or maybe you just said the word movie and I'm completely making shit up, but
0: um
1: No, yeah, I said that.
0: So if,
1: Oops! Did you hear that? I thought yeah. I heard something. Oh, it was this beer can. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: If you uh, <laughs> if if you uh, had complete control over that, I want you to pick a director and uh, so oh, the main question. people. Yes. Let's let's you say know, Holly and Mildred.
1: I love um I love David Fincher.
0: I think oh.
2: he's
1: great <laughs> yeah I I don't know what it is but like his movies just look good like I don't know if it's him or his cinematographer but like you know um 7 and um the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo just that and that that TV show the uh Mindhunter Yep. Yeah, it just has. And Fight Club, they, they set they, every set is perfect. I don't know, it just looks great. The lighting, the the setup, whatever. Um, I like him a lot. Um, uh, name, name me some directors. I I am just drawing a blank right now. Uh, do you have any favorites that?
0: Mike 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 Flanagan would probably make a whole lot of sense <laughs> for this book.
1: You know what? I I'm gonna sh- probably lose a movie deal right now but i didn't like dr sleep you know i'm a i'm kind of a critic uh aren't we all yeah i just didn't i don't know i you know another thing i i'm so worried about it like i i think i would try to negotiate that i could have a role in the you know i don't know assistant director or whatever consultant or something i you know i would want the first movie to be made right and and the reason i say that is because um i think i'd be a better director than a writer um but i i have no idea how to direct a movie like i don't know any of the anything about cameras or you know directing people on a set or I, I imagine very few people do. Um but oh lost my train of thought again. Um Come
0: on, come on. Shane.
1: I know exactly. Well he's, <laughs> he's he's a year older than me, so we're we're in the same boat and don't pick on my brother like that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I love Shane. Yeah, he's a cool guy, yeah. And um I think I'm going to be on their podcast, too, and I appreciate that. But refresh my memory, Brennan.
2: Would you have any interest in trying to write the screenplay?
1: I don't think I know how to write a screenplay, you know. Um, I don't
2: think that matters. No? (laughs) No. (laughs) You could probably Google it and figure it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're right, you know. But I would I would I would I would care about getting the first one off the ground correctly oh I know what I was gonna say now um, did you see Winchester that, no the, okay good. Uh, so many, good so many so many movies <laughs> yeah. like they just ruin it they, they, <laughs> they, they hire a guy or, or they don't know what they're doing um, jaws is a good example like the reason it was so good is because they don't show the shark. And they couldn't show the shark because it wasn't working. Um, Winchester, there's like a scene in the movie where they show like a ghost in the house or something. And the freaking thing is like so well lit. You can see every detail. And I'm like, that is just not scary because I can see everything. You know, like the scariest thing, kind of like we, we went back to, um, you know, Ghosts are Scary in the in the Distance. Yeah. Yep. Uh they're also scary if you can't see them. Yeah. You know, you just don't show them. You know, do the footsteps or anything. I mean, it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and it's better. So, I would be afraid of anybody making my movie that, you know, the first scene you see is um Mildred, you know, every square inch of her, you know. The first chapter of the book is she's, she's in a, in the, in the grove and she's gonna kill a guy. And if they show her face, I would just vomit. You know, I would just be so pissed off. So I, I would wanna make sure that they don't show her, maybe not even the whole movie. I mean, I grew up in a, in a age where there's no internet and, Star Wars, for example, if you wanted to see a picture of Darth Vader, you'd have to like, oh, mom, did you throw away Time Magazine that had that article on Star Wars? You know, and then there would be this one picture of Darth Vader, you know, where he's pointed Princess Leia in the first scene of the first movie, and you know, we had like twelve pictures of Darth Vader until Empire Strikes Back came out. You know, but nowadays, and this was also before freeze framing and pausing and you know whatever. Um, nowadays, you can slow down a movie, take a screenshot. You know, there's no secrets. If, if they showed Mildred's face for a minute or a second, somebody would screenshot it and like, oh, that's what Mildred looks like. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, so I, I just, I'm a big fan of less is more in, in, in terms of scary
2: real quick i'm gonna throw out uh, scott derrickson he did uh sinister and oh yeah uh, doctor strange not that i don't think it uh, would have, have do much doctor of a doctor strange, strange tone but
1: <laughs> well i love all those marvel movies i think you and i were talking about that on twitter a little. yeah bit. me too yeah they were so good um But yeah, sure, yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I I also like the looks of, like, say, the Nun. You know, like they 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 make the stuff look good. Um, they just hire bad actors and stuff, and it's just like, or, or the story's not great or something. I don't know. But um, you know, some of those uh, Conjuring's and uh, Annabelle's and stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so
2: bad actors. That's a that's a great segue. Um, so I, I mean, <laughs> even besides you know casting your own movie, did you have anybody in mind when you were writing the characters that you know could translate over? <laughs> you no,
1: know, I was Tim. I you know <laughs> not not it for a movie, but you know I was you know I thought about what would I do if I were in the house and you know and, and I was divorced you know because I was. So that was definitely, um, he was me. But I've thought about it since. And um, I think Mark Wahlberg would be good. Because he's kind of like, he looks kind of like handyman-ish. You know, he could,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, he, he might be a construction guy. Um, but then I was thinking about, like, Jason Bateman, but he's not I don't think he's a handyman kind of thing, so I don't know.
2: Uh do you have any? I, I have a weird one. I have young James Kahn in, in in
0: mind when I think of Tim.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
0: I like I James Kahn. I got one and it's from Mildred. I really think that that Winona Ryder would be perfect.
1: Yeah, she could be Mildred. You know, she's like – because Mildred's supposed to be like – I know Winona's older now, but –
0: She's only she 48, looks, she man. 48? Yeah, yeah.
1: She,
0: she could pass, I think.
1: Well, she looks young too. She's got like a baby face. Exactly. Uh, Mildred, I think, was like 30. Um, Did you see my – uh or not my, but Chad Worley's uh, Mildred?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, he sent it to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like. She looks young in that picture too. Um, I love that picture. He did a great job on that. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna work with him again um, for my next book too.
0: So that's a good segue. What are you working on that you can talk about?
1: Um. Yeah, I don't want to give the whole thing away. Um,
0: Elevator pitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um. It's about an elevator. No, just kidding.
0: already hooked.
1: (laughs) Well, I had a dream. This was another dream thing where um, I was climbing a mountain. And I come like, you know, past a bluff or something. And my wife was there, frozen solid dead. And like I try to pick up her leg and the whole thing comes with it, you know, like she's just – frozen solid
0: and wife's a sickle.
1: yes she was cold um so yeah it was that uh I no not, I don't think I should give the whole thing because I've heard like a couple things where people will take like an idea and it, people that can write faster than me might you know take the idea and Come out with something
0: quicker. That's fine. They'll, yeah. they'll never write what you're gonna write, though.
1: Yeah, true. Um, well, just let's you know. I think I gave you a lot there. She's she's uh,
0: she's frozen solid. All right, that's that's interesting. Um, so your hatchet in your logo, it seems to be a main theme. Obviously, people find out why uh, once they start reading this. First book, but um, did you know going in that that was kind of like a focal point for the main weapon?
1: No, um, and you know what, you're gonna find out that it's not the main weapon as you read on.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> I did, <laughs> but it is in the first book, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was thinking like a Lizzie Borden vibe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And then when I talked to the logo guy, I said, I need a logo. Um, Can you make it either with flies or a hatchet? And I kind of wanted him to go for the flies because I think his – he came up with the – there's like a fly in the middle of like a straight line uh, on the coffee mug and also on the books. And I loved that. I thought that was cool. I'm like, yeah, I hope he just comes up with a fly, but he came up with a hatchet. And I'm like, yeah, good enough, whatever. <laughs> because like, another, like later on down the line too, like, there's all these awards, right? So I'm like entering to to you know what the hell? I'm gonna I wrote a book. I'm gonna enter some awards or contests, and uh, I try um, what is it, the Shirley Jackson Awards, and you know my the name of my company is <laughs> you know my company is Michael Clark Books my company of one and uh i get an email back like uh have you published anybody else but yourself and i'm like nope and they're like oh cuz we just do it for people that have uh you know it, it seemed like a small press kind of award And I was like, what? You know, it's a story, you know. I was just kind of bummed out about that a little bit. I I should have, like, not had Michael Clark books. I should have had, you know, made up something. Deadhead
0: Uh, books? Yeah, deadhead books, exactly.
2: (laughs) You can just tell us that there is a Michael Clark out in Nevada that you are looking at publishing, another Michael Clark out in St. Louis. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes, there are eight of us.
1: Well, you know, on Goodreads, uh, like I, I, um, I joined Goodreads a year ago, and, uh, and, uh, like I hit, I, I enter everything I think I'm supposed to, and then all of a sudden I look and I ha- like, I'm responsible for, I can't remember how many books, say 40 books, you know, 40 books by Michael Clark, because it's like John Smith, and I'm like, ah, uh, you know, I, I write to them, I'm like, yeah, I didn't write all these books, <laughs> I wrote one. And, uh, so, so they had to, uh, go in and then they, they get back to me and they go, Yeah, uh, just for future reference, when you, uh, write a book, you are Michael Clark with eight spaces between Michael and Clark. <laughs>
0: like what? What? It's,
1: it's just the way they do it. Like, like the first Michael Clark is Michael Space Clark. The second Michael Clark is Michael Space Space Clark. So I'm like the eighth Michael Clark that's published a book, but nobody claimed a Goodreads profile. And I when I claimed my profile, I got all their books. You get it? Oh
0: yeah. That's crazy. How we, doesn't it? So like
1: you know. I even looked at it the other day, you know, I, I, I launched book three and I had to do it yesterday or the day before and I, I look at my name, like when I you know, you get inside your profile and it's Michael space, 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 space,
2: space. Clark. <laughs> it's just funny. I <laughs> God help you if you missed count. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Shit it was seven. <laughs> and there's um, like
1: a Michael Clark dancer too. Like he's like <laughs> a professional ballet dancer or something. And he wrote a book. So
0: I'm surprised no one made a Goodreads account before you that's
1: i know i know that's one of my goals too i want to be the most famous michael clark <laughs> like i used to be invisible when you get when you googled me you Yeah. Know? like i i could hide in plain sight and i haven't done it in a while but sometime i want to i just want to google and boom
2: I wish you luck on that endeavor, but uh, you. are you including Michael Clark Duncan there? Because that that's well, going to be tough. Well, Clark
1: with an E. Um, ah, okay. Let me see what happens here. I'm right in front of the computer.
2: Michael
1: Clark. Oh, and guess what? Autofills. Michael Clark Duncan.
2: Okay. We have reached the portion of the show where we are Googling ourselves. Yes. <laughs>
1: oh no, Michael Clark Dancer. The dancer is, is number one.
2: <laughs> For now. <I> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so uh, there's back, a photography too.
0: Back when Facebook was a uh, pretty new, there's I don't know if it exists anymore. There's this group called the Patrick McDonough Army, and I only knew about it because I got invited to it one day. And I'm like, hmm, weird. But I joined it, and it turns out that there was an impressive – I don't remember the exact amount, but there was an impressive number of people with my name. It's very common. Oh, Yeah. I got I got a steep hill to climb if I'm trying to be the number one Patrick McDonough. So hopefully the R throws in the, the little curveball to all those sons of bitches.
1: Yeah, I, I could have I, I thought about like my middle name's Taylor. I could have been Michael Taylor Clark. But I was like, nah, screw it, whatever. And, I, and I'm and i just joking about the most famous thing, whatever, you know, like whatever happens, happens.
0: I'm not. <laughs> I will, I will go to no length, no, no amount of length to kill all, the all of the other Patrick McDonough's.
1: Patrick R. McDonough <laughs> in the universe.
0: I, uh, interviewed a guy by myself, uh, on a episode. Uh, his name's Patrick R. Young and, uh, same middle initial, uh, Robert. Um,
1: are you Robert too?
0: Yeah, that's my dad's name. Okay. And, the the actor that played I forget the model uh but in Terminator two the uh, the bad Terminator uh um, oh yeah
1: Richard Richard Patrick
0: right no no Richard Richard Patrick is the lead filter. singer of uh Filter and uh, his brother is Robert Patrick yep so maybe, we
1: talked about Filter one time too I remember that
0: yeah I I like them uh me too. he replied to me one time. On uh, Instagram. I saw
1: that. Yeah, yeah, you showed me that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he didn't like my suggestion, but I still like him. He's a that guy gets a little intense with uh, some hot button subjects.
1: <laughs> he does.
0: Yeah, like uh, last uh, July Fourth, he was saying I'm, something to the, I'm paraphrasing something to the effect of how he's not celebrating and just look, man, you people believe in a lot of different things, but I mean. At the end of the day, does it affect you? And are you going to end up ruining your time with your family if you start having this new stance on uh, your country and life and all that? That's how I look at it anyways.
1: Uh, well, I saw them once. I saw I saw Filter, and then I saw uh, Army of Anyone
0: one time. Yeah, we, we talked, the, talked about the uh, House of I'm, Blues in Boston, right?
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, that's right.
0: That's, I've been there once, and that was, that was to see Filter.
1: Then live. you moved to New Jersey.
0: Saw <laughs> <laughs> so Filter, Live, Sponge, and uh, Everclear. Uh, oh. for, all, for all you younger guys and gals, that is a group of 90s bands that are pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah, I moved to New Jersey. So that's actually the last thing, because we got to get close to wrapping this up. Um you lived in New Jersey, then you moved to New Hampshire, which and uh, now you're in Massachusetts, but in New Hampshire is where the, the, the house is based off of. Is that all, like, every single detail? Is that what you used to live in?
1: Um, I was born in South Carolina. I moved to New Jersey from 67 to 71, and then I moved to that house. It's in Tilton, New Hampshire it's uh sandborn in the book but uh it's a fictional town um it's Tilton in real life and um everything is true everything is uh legit about that house except that it did not have a turret so that turret is all crap i made that up but there was a grove in the woods and uh I remember going in there, like, you know, you, there was a, like, the, the, the map at the beginning of the, uh, book is a map. Uh, one of the first pages is a map. And I, it's a, it's a doctored, uh, screenshot of Google Earth. So that's the actual property. Except I, <laughs> I made the, uh, the road much more, um, dirt road, desolate kind of thing. And I put trees all over it, you know, I photoshopped it. Um, it's more of a, it's like a, a rural route uh, in real life. But there was no turret and there was a grove. And then, so I'm writing this story for like a year and a half. And I do remember being in that grove as a, you know, six, seven, eight year old. And um, it was cool. Like you'd go in there in, in a uh, you know on a any given day, and it was the trees were tall, they'd block out the sun. It was like a bed of dead needles underneath your feet, and and you were usually alone. You know, it, it, maybe one other kid was with you, you know, brother or sister or something, but and it was a weird feeling to be in there. It was it was eerie. Uh, cause it was so perfect, you know, it was like a hallway, like, like, uh, like being in the hallway of, uh, the, you know, the overlook hotel kind of thing, except it was trees, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so then I wrote the book and there are some outlets that are now down at the end of the road and, uh, it's on the way up to ski country in, uh, in New Hampshire. And not that I ski, but we were going to go up to a bed and breakfast and it's right off at 93. And so my wife wanted to go to the outlets. I go, I'm going on. I'm going to go sneak on. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I park, you know, I sneak onto the property. I, I sneak into the, into the woods and the grove and everything. And kind of all that down, like it was just not as dark and. You know, anything like I remember, like, it was literally 40 years since I'd been in there. Mm. And it was just way more wild. There were, like, saplings in between every row, deer shit everywhere. Uh, you know, awesome. like, yeah, it wasn't eerie at all. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, I almost, like, you know, I have a, a blog that I don't really update as much as I should. And I was, like, you know, there's no way I'm going to post this stuff, you know, just like as a topic of discussion because it would ruin it for any reader. You know, like I like, I like my uh, eight year old memory better than what I saw a couple years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Makes sense. Did you ever experience anything supernatural within the woods?
1: No. um, No, I've never seen a ghost or anything like that. Uh, But my mother told me like, a couple years ago after I write the book because we start talking about that house again that the guy that lived there before us killed himself. <laughs> like, hey, it's mom. Yeah, and she said, yeah, everything was cleared out except for one, like, nightstand. And uh, my sister goes, oh, the one that I have in my room? <laughs> and, yeah, that's the one. So, like, for whatever reason, the guy apparently killed himself. You know, I don't know if he, you know, why, why, why would the family leave that one nightstand? Did he did he leave pills in it? Did he stand on it for you know? I, I don't know. I'm just trying to build some drama here, but uh, that's that's a true story.
0: That all right? That's uh, that could be pretty creepy. Um, uh, Brennan, did you have any final questions? Well, I was just going to kind of touch on,
2: assuming we have it, can uh, we expect to see you at the uh, Merrimack Book Festival?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's right here in my town, which uh, (laughs) that's another thing that we didn't touch on. But like apparently uh, Haverhill is like a – I I never knew it, but it's chock full of uh, horror related activity. One being the, the Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Festival, but I'm definitely going to go to that. I never knew it was here. They hold they hold it in the in the library, um, but apparently it's a big deal in the horror community. And um, I never knew Christopher Golden. Um, I do now. I've heard him on podcasts and everything. Um, and apparently there's like a like a few more. Um, horror authors uh, from here, too. James A. Moore, which I, I haven't read any of his stuff. And there's another guy named John McElveen. Uh, they live here. And then, of course, there's uh, Haverhill Press, which I never knew anything about, but they are right here as well. So shows you how new and ignorant I am.
2: We're all uh, learning. Exactly.
1: All good. Still <laughs> learning. 54 years old.
2: Well, like I said, assuming that we actually have it, I know I'm planning on heading up there this year. Cool. I think Patrick's gonna come all the way from New Jersey. New
1: Jersey, <laughs> the the,
2: the you ses- gotta say it with contempt or it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah.
1: What exit? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I live in South Jersey. My wife told me this before uh, when we when we were just dating that uh, New Jersey is separated by some believe myth has it uh, told that there's a central Jersey, but some believe that uh, North Jersey ends in areas that are different from where we view North Jersey ending. But I live in South Jersey. Um, It's literally all farmland. Did you
1: fall asleep? I just fell asleep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'm coming up to that uh, festival.
1: Do you like John Bon Jovi? Uh, How about Bruce Springsteen? Nah. All
0: right. <laughs> How do you feel about Smog? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, are we talking about the dragon from The Hobbit? Because he's kind of cool. That's Smog. There's a difference. Yeah, that's, uh, my, my bad. <laughs> um, so I meant to introduce you as Michael Clack for all my fellow Bostonians because even though I am in Jersey, I am a fellow Massachusetts. Well, neither of you from Massachusetts, so never mind.
1: <laughs> no. Hey, where are you from, Brendan?
0: I'm from Massachusetts. I have no idea what oh. he's talking about. Yeah, what are you talking? About?
1: Yeah, I'm from New Hampshire. I'm from Cow Hampshire.
0: mm Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Michael so, Clark. Yeah, Michael Clock. So I was hoping that whenever I get my uh. Fat-ass reading uh, Dead Woman's Scorn. We can have you back and have a mainly spoiler-free episode about that and learn a little bit more about you and then eventually get you on for Anger is an Acid to uh, learn a, bit, a little bit more and uh, talk about that book.
1: Well, as I become more important, I don't know how available I'll be. So you know, <laughs> get while the getting's good.
0: All right. Well, you and, uh, you and your brother... Can uh, discuss all the fucking things you want to talk about, and ain't guys.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. I love you.
0: Love you too, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And where can people follow you?
1: MichaelClarkBooks.com.
0: And what about your Twitter?
1: MikeClarkBooks.com because they don't have enough spaces for Michael. <laughs> but facebook is michaelclarkbooks.com and instagram is michael clark books uh no sorry at michael clark books and instagram at michael clark books these awesome. don't have to spell it
2: <laughs> no e on clark
1: no e on clark That's no, don't enough. get after clark we don't mm. talk to those people
0: no those guys are scum
1: it's <laughs> a whole different
2: name six letters. we would never publish them <laughs> no.
0: We wouldn't have him on this podcast either, other Michael Clarkies. Thank
2: you. There yes. is one, though. No. things we can't take back.
1: Yeah, look <laughs> at my good, Goodreads profile, some Michael Clark with an E, like,
2: oh, look at that.
1: Hey, I'm Michael Clarkie.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It's thank Sam. you. Great talking to you. Thank you. And, yeah. uh, hey, have a good night.
1: Yeah, you too. Appreciate it, you guys.
0: You got Very it. Good.
1: Take care.
0: Bye-bye. We are in your mind. We are all around.
2: You are now leaving Deadhead space.